Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. How many times have you watched a movie, a thriller, when one of the major characters in the film dies? Only to make a surprise reappearance later. Most of the time, the character in question might have faked his or her death. Maybe they just narrowly avoided death. And because of circumstances, other people in the story, including maybe even us, assume that the person has died. When our Lord Jesus was brutally crucified, His body endured an enormous amount of stress and abuse before it just simply gave out and it just couldn't take it anymore. Our Lord had died. Or did he? You may have heard of something called the swoon theory. And that theory says that Jesus didn't really die on the cross at all. It just looked like he was dead. He only appeared that way. The problem with that is that has profound implications for you and for me. First of all, it means that we're misrepresenting God by what we teach and preach. Christ crucified. And that he actually died. Second of all, without Christ's atoning death, we have no forgiveness. And without Christ's miraculous resurrection, we are still dead in our sins. So how can you know that the whole Holy Week gauntlet was not just a big production to fool the world into thinking that Jesus was more than just a man? Well, don't worry. John tells us so. John outright tells us that Jesus has died, but John also takes important notice of an important detail in his gospel in chapter 19. And here's what he writes there. Because it was the day of preparation, and so that the bodies would not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for the Sabbath was a high day, the Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. So the three that are there. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and the other who had been crucified with Jesus. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear and at once there came out blood and water, hence the title of the sermon. He who saw it has borne witness. This is John, the disciple whom Jesus loved, the apostle John, speaking of himself who was there at the foot of the cross. He who saw it has borne witness, and his testimony is true, and he knows that he is telling the truth, that you also may believe. For these things took place that the Scripture might be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken, and, again, another Scripture says, they will look on him whom they have pierced. It was not until the Roman soldier finally took the tip of a spear and poked it into Jesus' side that blood and water poured forth. And in addition to the fact that these things happened so that Christ might fulfill the Scriptures and so that the Scriptures might be fulfilled in Christ, Dr. Gerard Stanley writes a medical explanation 
for why the guard sticking Jesus with the spear is important, especially when it comes to the swoon theory. So here's what he writes, and I'm going to read it directly from this because I don't have a medical background. So I'm going to read it right from here, and hopefully I get it right. The spear would have entered just below or at the right lower ribs and traveled through the right lung and diaphragm. The tip would have passed through the heart sac, already stretched with pericardial fluid, and entered the right ventricle, which would have been stretched from congestive heart failure. As the spear passed through the pericardial sac, thin watery fluid would have leaked. The passage of the spear into the heart muscle itself, as well as into the chamber filled with blood, would have resulted in a gush of blood, water and blood. What does this mean? Because like me, you said, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know what you just told me, Pastor Chris. It means that Jesus' heart had stopped beating. It means that Jesus' heart was pierced with a spear. It means that Jesus didn't appear to be dead. He wasn't partially dead. He wasn't mostly dead. Our Lord died. And that death changed everything. That death changed everything. It was a death to sin. It was a death for sin. Your sin, my sin, not His. And He paid the wages for your sin by suffering full physical death. Our Lord's human body and our Lord's human soul were separated. He died a physical death. Our Lord suffered full spiritual death. Separation from the Father. And we will read later tonight when we strip the altar in remembrance of the gauntlet that our Lord walked through beginning tonight. Tonight. We will hear about Psalm 22, which Jesus quotes on the cross as he confirms his forsaken status there. Now, if we have a real death, right? Not just a fake death. Not just an assumed death. If we have a real death, an atoning death, then we also must have a real resurrection. Jesus comes back, truly comes back. He dies and comes back. It's not some cheap parlor trick. It's not some narrow escape. It's not some misunderstanding. It's Jesus taking death and all its brutality, all its indignity, all its hunger, and overcoming death by taking up his life again in victory and power. Water and blood. Water and blood testify to Christ's death for us. His resurrection for us. And our death to sin and our life in Him. It's interesting that John is the only Gospel writer to refer to the Roman soldier who struck Jesus' side with the spear. He's the only one. Only St. John adds this beautiful commentary later in 1 John, right? His letter. And here's what he says. Here's what he writes. This is he who came by water and blood. Jesus Christ. Not by water only, but by water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies. Because the Spirit is the truth. 
For there are three that testify, the Spirit and the water and the blood, and these three agree. Although recent commentators differ on how to interpret these words, the early church fathers never wavered. The water that poured from Jesus' side signifies to us holy baptism. And the blood from His side signifies what we celebrate tonight. Jesus giving us the New Testament in His own supper. Note that both blood and water are present in the Lord's death. That is not an accident. Both holy baptism and the Lord's Supper are worthless. They're useless without Jesus' crucifixion. That is, His suffering and death on our behalf. This is why St. Ambrose, who wrote the hymn, Savior of the Nations Come, indicates that Jesus' body is like a holy temple by which we take great treasures. I love that image. A great temple by which we take great treasures. The piercing of Jesus' side produces incredible heavenly and eternal riches for the church, and they will never cease to flow this side of heaven. They are the things our Lord has commanded us to do so that we may receive our Lord Himself. The sacraments of holy baptism and the Lord's Supper literally bring Jesus to you. And along with His love and His forgiveness, His presence directly from the cross over 2,000 years ago into our time, into our space, right now, to be with His church. That is why Jesus said at His ascension, Behold, I am with you always to the very end of the age. He didn't mean I'm with you in here and in here. He means I am with you. Even though Jesus ascended and He fills the entire universe, He still comes close to His church. He comes close to His church which continues to grow by giving birth to new children through water and the blood. For just as God formed a bride Eve from Adam's side, consider that, so the church, the bride of Christ, is formed, the bride of Christ is formed from the side of Christ. Just as Eve is the mother of all children, so is holy baptism, the cross and the holy baptism, the birthplaces for all God's children. St. Paul concurs to this. Right? And again, it points to our Lord's death, His sacrificial death. Romans chapter 6. All who are baptized, don't you know that all of us who are baptized into Christ Jesus are baptized into His death? We were therefore buried with Him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the glory of God the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. And don't we know that if we have been united with Jesus in a baptism and a death like His, we shall certainly be united with Him in a resurrection like His. Water and the blood. Speaking of the blood, the church fathers and the reformers also recognized the connection of the blood to what we celebrate this evening. Because you're like, well, we're talking a lot about Jesus' death. Yes, we are. But also recognizing the connection to the institution of the Lord's Supper. This table provides us, provides you with a regular, continual spiritual fountain of refreshment. 
In the book of Exodus, as we heard, and we've been hearing it a lot during this Lenten season, the people of Israel are always complaining because they think, oh boy, we don't see any resources here. God's brought us out here to die, right? They get dramatic, as we've talked about before. And Moses strikes the staff, and water comes pouring out. Well, is it just a coincidence That just as Moses struck a rock to bring out water that gives life to the people, that a Roman soldier would also strike the rock of ages. Jesus with a spear that would bring out blood and water. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, For they drank, and they're talking about our forefathers in the wilderness, for they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. God's mercy in Jesus. Water and blood still pour forth from Jesus' side to cleanse and redeem us from sin. His sacrificial death is for you, as we just sang, the choir just sang. But you can't have the power and joy of the risen Christ on Easter Sunday without water and the blood on Good Friday. Again, I know what you're saying. This isn't Good Friday yet. It's Holy Thursday. Okay. The riches that pour out of Jesus' side for you are still the waters of holy baptism and the blood of the supper. They are the fountain of life that pour from the cross. Without the cross, again, as we said, they are nothing. They bring all the spiritual wealth that Jesus accomplished over 2,000 years ago to you now. It's very easy for us to talk about what Jesus did, how Jesus lived, how he taught, how he died for us, that is laid out in the Holy Scriptures. However, the Holy Spirit also works through the sacraments to draw the cross of Jesus closer to you every day amid your broken life because he was broken for you. This is most certainly true. He died a real death. It wasn't a scam. It wasn't a ploy. He died a real death. For you. And he rose to rule and reign over death and sin for you and in you. Tonight we celebrate. It's Holy Week, but we celebrate the supper that our Lord instituted. We celebrate the treasures that flow from Christ's side. And tonight we receive the very body and blood given and shed for us Christians to eat and to drink for the forgiveness of our sins and the strengthening of our faith. Brothers and sisters in Christ, water and the blood. Our Lord died a real death. Our Lord rose from the dead. And we have confidence. We have confidence that we have life and forgiveness of sins in His name. Forgiveness of sins because of water and the blood. And where there is forgiveness of sins, Life and salvation pro, pro, life and salvation flow freely. Try to say that quickly. Life and salvation flow freely. We receive accordingly. Amen. And may the grace which surpasses all human understanding guard your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.